Well, hello and welcome once again to, I think this is our third or fourth one of Linking the Travel Industry. I'm joined again today by Andy Nash, who I'll ask to introduce himself in a minute. My name is Rian and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Agentivity, where we provide insight, control and growth for travel agents wishing to make the most out of their data. And this session today is a discussion between us and anybody in the audience who wants to take part about the the sort of top news events we spotted on LinkedIn uh, and um, probably elsewhere as well, uh, relating to travel. So um, I'm joined by Anne and Ash, as I said. Anne, Ash, quick introduction to yourselves. Yes, hello. Hi, Rianne and Ash. Uh, I'm Anne Cedarhall. I'm a consultant in the uh, travel industry and uh, work for both uh, LeapShift and ExploreTech as an independent consultant. Over to you, Ash. Thanks, Anne. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Ash, and I am a podcast host for a podcast called What's Up at Business Travel, uh, where we talk about business travel news uh, throughout the world in 15 minutes and under. And I am also the vice president of sales at Traxo. Fantastic. Thank you both. Um, just a reminder to those in the audience, um, if you want to chip in or comment on any of the stories we are covering or maybe have a story that we did not cover towards the end, just raise your hand, we'll get you on stage. Also, if you are from the press and you want to cover this uh, discussion today, please get the permission of those you want to quote or any of the companies you want to quote uh, from this discussion before you do so. That will be nice, right? So um, starting with the one at Emirates, where they've invested in that um, vertical farming method to grow, I would imagine, mostly some of the salads and that sort of stuff they're going to serve on their own plane. So it's a great initiative in my view. Um, what do you guys think? Same here. I think it's just a fantastic initiative. And I think the more you sort of branch out as, as in investing and taking an interest in other businesses that are related to your own, the more you grow, you better understand and, and learn and just the interaction, I think, is is really brilliant, and it serves a very good purpose. I see uh, two things happening here, right? One of them is that there is this uh, push towards uh, sustainability, which you know the whole idea behind this is that they're saving. I think it's in excess of you know hundreds and millions of well, liters of water, as we say. So you know there's a sustainability aspect, but then there's also this other aspect where I see airlines getting more control over their processes, maybe trying to get more a bigger handle, and then you know, getting out beyond just flying planes, right? So this is, I think. Two things happening simultaneously, and you know, if this if this goes well for Emirates, then uh, who's to say that they don't get into the business of providing this not just to uh, you know their aircrafts and to their uh, to their network, but maybe even to local uh, companies. Yeah, I mean that word control was definitely the one that sprang to mind for me there, and I think yeah, the sustainability is fantastic, but the control is clearly something. It it kind of relates to um, the rather outspoken CEO of Qatar, right, in the in the feud with Vistro, who was also expressing frustration at the lack of control that they have about the ground handling, and he was considering whether he should also put his own company in place there, much like Emirates got with Donata. So, um, yeah, it comes back to control. They need that control. Otherwise, when things go wrong, they go wrong on a big scale, right? So, um, yeah, this is a fantastic initiative. I uh, I love it. Isn't there this component about... I mean, I don't know how it was in the beginning, but there's a full circle kind of happening, right? Where airlines, uh, you know, at first owned all the processes and then they started to let them go. And now they're getting it back in control again, you know, under yeah. their umbrella or infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So it's like a full circle coming around, you know, 50 years in the making. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. If um, if I can take a moment just to give a shout out to some of the people I recognize in the audience, Harold from BCD, welcome Harold, thank you for joining us today, and Alex, welcome to you as well. Um, your story was obviously in our list from last week, so thank you for joining. I don't know, Anna or Ash, if you recognize some of the others that you know in the audience as well. I sure do. Uh, one of the people I admire the most in the industry, Yasenka, is joining us. Thank you very much. Mm. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> The next story was about the the popular roots. In fact, this was the story by by Alexandra, uh, who posted about this. Um, had some very interesting top roots in there. Um, it also suggested that the Antalya Moscow route was uh, very popular. I think it came in at number five, which um, you know is probably not something that will come to mind. The top roots certainly were into Saudi, and somebody commented about apart from my comment where I talked about the possible influ- you know, influence there of the religious you know period and the pilgrimage going there somebody else also commented that none of those top routes touched down in the u.s which was an interesting one so these were the top routes in july what did you guys make of it i wasn't really surprised by the moscow antalya i just saw that um aeroflot will start flying to phuket uh thailand on the i think the launching on 31st of october i'm quite curious about that myself because I, I really don't you know how how does the banking work how does the payments work and and all of that i i do believe that russia now has has her own planes right but I, yeah i was I, but i was also quite you know very interested in seeing uh, the very high demand demand there for egypt um saudi yes I'd love to see, yeah. um, Alex, if you're going to post about that again uh, in a month's time to see how that changed, right, and see what the next mm. uh, top 10 routes are and how that's been influenced. So I think it was very interesting. Ash, did you want to say anything about that or should we move on to the next story? I was just totally surprised, actually, mm. by the list. I had no idea. So yeah. if somebody had said this to me in a question, I would have probably flunked it completely. <laughs> same, same here. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and thanks I, for that, Alex. It's a good list. Appreciate it. Yeah, that. no, it's very interesting. I think you should keep it up. Do a monthly one. And yes. I would love to, you know, for, for instance, I would, you know, from Egypt to Saudi, I, I would love to see what is the breakdown of the types of passages. Yeah. Yeah. Are those, I mean, I guess there must be tourists from Saudi to Egypt, I, I assume. But, you know, maybe there is a, a very, very high business travel demand as well. I don't think so. My money is still on its pilgrimage travel, and I think it will change completely next mm. month. Somebody else was saying, oh, well, but, you know, the pilgrimage goes to here, and some of those destinations are 900 kilometers away. That's nothing for those guys to travel domestically onwards to those destinations. So I think that's, mm. my, that's my bet. Let's see if it, if it turns out to mm. be true next month. We will see. Mm. Our next story came directly from Spot Nana themselves. They obviously talked a lot about the additional funding that they received, an additional $75 million dollars in Series B funding. So that's eye-watering <laughs> amounts of investment. But hats off to them. Congrats to them that they're still getting that. I mean, obviously, it still demonstrates a lot of confidence in uh, business travel. And I see in the news today that they've actually signed an agreement with the Focus Travel Group in the UK to be a supplier to them. My take on it is that they worrying for some of the other suppliers. I mean, especially the GDSs must be a bit uh, worried. I mean, that's serious investment money that you can spend on product development only good indication of where the you know confidence lies um anything else that you can see in that ash 
Well, I mean, in September, you know, they came out with 41 million, right? In 2021, mm-hmm. September, they have 41 million. Now, nine months later, you know, they get another 75. So now they got a good 100 million plus in their in their pocket. And I don't think many people really understand what Spot Nana is. They kind of heard the article, seen the news. I don't think everybody quite grasps what it is going to do to the industry. If anybody remembers, you know, Concur Expense, you know, you have uh, Steve Singh who started Concur, you know, sitting in the background here in all of this, right? So he doesn't get the uh, the headlines or he gets his name involved, but he's definitely involved in Spot Nana. You know, he's not going to be involved in something unless it's going to make a huge impact to the industry. So I am really, really encouraged by this. I think that we need more of this high-level technology that not just helps corporations, but also helps TMCs. I think TMCs definitely need the support of a a technology that goes beyond just booking flights uh, and allows TMCs to do a lot more than that. And I think Spot Nana just might be one of many that are going to be coming down the industry pipeline. You'd think they were 100 million behind them, they'd come up with a better name, right? <laughs> so funny question, you know, a comment. I actually asked uh, Steve uh, Singh about where this name came from. It's actually a pet name that was given to one of the uh, owners of Spot Nana by his grandparents. Sure, that still doesn't make it a good name, but <laughs> there we go. I suppose I suppose it's different. So you know, that, it definitely is that it's different, right? So there we go. Um, yeah. Well, who had heard of Concur before? You know, C O N C U R. That's yeah, no, it. It's fair enough. There's still people that say Concur to this day. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. No, but still, enough. yeah, yeah. I would say that Concur is probably a better name than Spot Nana, but. Uh, I'm also I'm also very impressed by them. I'm exempt, you know. And I, I'm not so sure. I agree with you, Ash, that there will be many spot manners because I mean I don't, you know, you don't seem to see that much movement in the sort of in the corporate um, uh, travel industry, right? I find it very interesting that we have so many banks uh, acquiring travel companies. That's also very interesting. But, you know, I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, Spotmana is, is, they're really going to show that you can aggregate any type of content. And uh, yes, that is, uh, it is, is a far better alternative than, uh, than the GDS, for example. Yeah. No, on a more serious note, I mean, the fact that, you know, like I was saying, not many people can describe what they do. I do think they should try and be more explicit about saying that when they when they talk oh. about themselves, because they still tend to talk about, you know, they're going to revolutionize this or do that, and they're going to be travel as a service, you know, in, oh. in the cloud, etc. But could they be more literate about the actual problems they're solving? I think so. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway. I agree. I agree. There should be some, uh, you know, describe a, a mm. use case, etc., well, remember that they're not trying to get a larger number of clients right now. They have 50 mm-hmm. uh, pilot customers that they're working with today. I think that's going to allow them to learn quite a bit from uh, these customers that they're and and then when the marketing kicks in, then I think that we will have a really clear definition of what Spotnet does. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest stories last week was the announcement from um, a bunch of low-cost carriers, but it came from North Atlantic about their interlining partnership that they did with several other LCCs made possible by Dohop. I didn't really see the other guys talk about it too much. It was pretty much North who mostly talked about it. But um, And surely this is a fairly significant move, right? For sure it is. I mean, I, I see it as actually this is this is pretty groundbreaking in, in a way because I mean this is what we've been looking for. I mean, we've been talking about 
Well, you know that I don't like the expression virtual interline, but for lack of a better word, uh, because it doesn't really, you know, describe it in full, but really to be able to link carriers or interline them then, so to speak, without going through traditional systems and, and methods and just hooking them up to together, that is definitely what I see as the future. Uh, and again, it's about aggregating different content and, and making it work. plan here is I can fly on a ticket on Norse, connect on a domestic flight in the US, yes. continue flying on Spirit or one of the other partners and then fly back and it's all one purchase and one ticket, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not one ticket, but it is, let's say, one order. Right? Yes, okay, fair enough. It can really, you know, be seamless to to the to the passenger. And I think it's very, of course, it's very important for Norse because they have, what, three hubs in Europe. Uh, it's London, Berlin, and Oslo. And, um, you know, to really make that work, uh, to make long-haul work, you need feeders in Europe. Yeah, Ash, what are your thoughts? Well, I just, I just kind of find it interesting that we have this new concept called interlining. I guess it's always been around, but more so mm. now after the pandemic than ever before, right? And so, mm. you know, what's a differentiator and how does the public differentiate between an interline and an alliance, right? And I think that we as an industry, of course, we all know what the differences may be and what you can and cannot do. But I think it creates a level of confusion for travelers, right? You know, they think that, oh, I'm flying one world, so therefore I can have my bags continue on. But is that the same thing? With interline. That, of course, was on the, on the post that was uh, posted by, by Norse. That was one of the comments that came from, I believe, uh, an airline commenting and said, oh, people will have to pick up their baggage. But that's not the way I understand it. And actually, Duhop were commenting on that and said being worked on and will be presented. Uh, of course, you can, you can check through. I mean, a, a check-in system is just a check-in system. You don't need IATA traditional interlining and going through the ICH, the International Clearinghouse, to interline. You really just need the systems to operate and, and talk to each other. And that's why I've been talking a lot about that I think that airports should take control over this. You know, why shouldn't it be possible for me to actually check my bag as a service? Maybe it shouldn't be introduced right now, considering the chaos that we're having um, in, in so many places. But I, I really don't, you know, I, I've always said that it could be such an incredibly lucrative business for, for an airport to say, of course, I can check your, your bag through, you know, you, you're flying on, on EasyJet and you want to connect to, I don't know, Aegean. Yeah, sure. I can, you know. Yes, because my, because my partner airport in the you know, destination X is joining forces with me. We're going to solve this problem for you as the customer. Wouldn't mm, that be mm, fantastic? Mm. Yeah, I think it might be worth our while to uh, follow up on this comment with um, DOOP themselves right, and get them to maybe join us next week and talk about this a little bit more. Mm, we can mm. ask them, right? Yes. What do you yeah. think, Gosh? That's a great idea. You know, I see more and more of these partnerships occurring around the world. Mm. Uh, it's quite uh, it's quite a great achievement. I, you know, it, it, too bad it took the pandemic for airlines to really try to work with each other, even within the alliances, right? I mean, just recently, there was news about United now working much closer with um, Air Canada. I mean, they've been part of the Star Alliance for years, with border countries, um, if you will, and there's not a lot of growth within the alliances. But now I see all sorts of growth happening, mostly by need, because airlines are fixed 
figured out that, hey, I don't need to fly the same routes that my partner is flying. I can then take my plane and fly it somewhere else and then use my partner for that route, right? So those uh, relationships, I think, are becoming stronger and better. And it's good because I think we needed that in the first place. It's all good for the consumer, absolutely. So fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, doing it doing it this way lowers cost tremendously, right? Because, yeah. I mean, interlining cost is terribly expensive, the yeah. traditional way. Yeah. It's, um, it's it's way too expensive. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you have to sit and wait for your money. And so so everything about it is expensive. Cheng, I really think we should get somebody from, from Doha on here. And uh, let's talk about mm. that uh, a little bit more. I'll, I'll reach out to them for sure. I'm going to keep our next story till the end because that's the big one for the week. If I can quickly talk about the Southwest Airlines announcement credits that they will offer from now on won't have an expiry date. How did that go down in the States, Ash? It must have been very welcoming, right? Did you see that? Well, it's not uh, surprising to many people who are big fans of Southwest and have always been fans of Southwest from the early days, right? I mean, Southwest just keeps coming out with these uh, great traveler-centric type solutions. And, you know, during the pandemic, every airline struggled to keep this process going. And of course, there was this big hoopla about, you know, if I can't fly, then how can I use my unused ticket that expires within a year? So I think all of these issues have started to come in. And I know you skipped over the story, but, you know, this is Southwest's way of also mitigating uh, the other stories that were happening in their low-cost market with the marriages of the airlines. But I think that, you know, this is solving a problem. But what the interesting part about all of this is that, you know, they had to extend out the, the date the expiration dates to 2040 and then they were going to phase out the expirations they apparently uh, needed to put a date in so you know this the technology of the systems won't allow them to not have an expiration so therefore they had to put something in so they put the year 2040 hoping no one complains about it being 2040 between you know it is still 18 years from now and then somebody somebody in PR saw that and said hey I can make a good story out of this yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly but you know, bags fly free. Your your, your tickets don't yeah. expire, and there's no change fees. I mean, I think that's yeah. every traveler's dream. Yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of Southwest. It's one of my favorite airlines. I just love the airline, and they they truly are very customer centric, aren't they? Um, they do the stuff that you know you like. I think we're gonna see them flying to Europe soon. They already fly to Hawaii. Uh, you know, they bought the AirTran route. Um, I don't know if you remember AirTran, but AirTran had some international Caribbean routes. So, you know, they picked those up. So most people consider Southwest just to be a U.S. airline. Um, and in many ways it is. Uh, but I think that their aspirations are way across the border. And now with the other airlines, you know, kind of merging with each other, I think this becomes uh, somewhat of a, a bigger need for them as time goes on. <laughs> And keeping it on topic of Hawaiian, so Hawaiian Airlines made its content available on Priceline, so via its own direct channel. Any surprise in that? Is it was it expected? Or was it how did that go down, Ash? Do you think this is kind of um, a strange story because? I never really expected um, an OTA to be involved with an airline. Uh, you know, most airlines try to get away from OTAs as much as they can uh, due to uh, the nature of that relationship. But this is a pretty interesting move that Hawaiian, I mean, Hawaiian was starting to charge a GDS fee for booking through the GDS. They waited, uh, you know, they pushed that off, I think, a little bit. I, I'm not sure what their new date is offhand, but uh, it's interesting that an airline is looking to work with an OTA in this way. Like I believe I said to you when I saw the story, I didn't really know quite what to make of it. Same as, as Dash was saying. I was a bit surprised. 
yeah, if, if, it, if it makes sense to them. And I think I commented on that story to say I'm a bit concerned about what happens when, you know, there's large volumes of bookings going through that channel and the customer service, you know, element is kicking in and maybe lots of changes happen or there's cancellations and there's, who, who's going to take those calls? Not Priceline. The airline going to be able to cope with that sort of uh, level. But, you know, I'm just being very negative there at all. I mean, just the same slight thought that came to mind. You know, I'm really so surprised that we're seeing all these challenges with um, direct sales and changes. Because like I said, you know, it's no different from making a change on the airline website or it, rather it shouldn't be or any, any different to, to make a, a change. The technology should be the same. I mean, you, you know, all the, all the stuff that you need to file and everything that you need to, to process this should be you know, in place there for automation. It's a bit weird that we're seeing all these issues. For our big story from last week was about Spirit Airlines that uh, stopped negotiating with Frontier. And I only after afterwards read that there's a huge amount of money they have to pay to Frontier for that, something like $29 million. And they've decided that JetBlue is the is the airline to get in bed with. So, um, And this, I saw you post about this first. Well, I was really surprised. Well, first of all, I thought that Front, you know, Frontier is another airline that I admire a lot, especially from, you know, from their capabilities on in, in the digital world. I think they're really, really good at, at what they do. And they have that foundation of, of becoming, you know, even better. So I thought that Frontier and Spirit would have been quite a good fit. And then I was rather surprised because JetBlue and and spirit are very, very different. Uh, and there were a lot of, yeah, lots of comments about the, the, the different cultures and what have you. And, of course, I've, I've seen this so many times, uh, mergers. And before we ask Gush, I'm going to say uh, you, one of the quotes, as you mentioned, there are lots of quirks, et cetera, but I think your favorite one will probably be from your friend Andreas at Etihad, who said this is likely to be called Blue Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, shall we, shall we, what, do you think they'll rename to Blue Spirit? No. Yeah, I'm not sure about that name. Uh. <laughs> I love it. I think you know, it's typical Andreas being very dry there, but I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Great sense of humor. This has, of course, been going on for four months. Spirit going to marry Frontier. No, yes, no, yes. JetBlue comes around and says, no, I have a bigger ring. Uh, please check me out, Spirit. And so Spirit's like, oh, I don't know what to do. This is so confusing. Um, who should I marry, right? So this, this drama or this soap opera has been going on for a few months. And everybody's been like sitting on the edge of their seats. And, you know, it's sometimes we're like, oh, this is getting crazy. This is too much. But finally, Spirit says yes uh, to JetBlue. And then, of course, uh, you know, JetBlue is really happy and, and they go off into the sunset. You know, we all knew in the beginning of the pandemic that there's going to be a lot of airlines merging with others. And there's been a laundry list of those happening around the world. Uh, but this is a, a, a really interesting one. And, you know, the question becomes whose culture prevails, right? Does Spirit's culture of, of low cost and, and bare fares, as they call it, prevail? Or does JetBlue's move to mint seats and, you know, a luxury and, and, and these other elements that JetBlue portrays in the marketplace? You know, how do the two cultures merge with each other? Because these employees come from different, you know, different school thoughts. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, things that play out in the marketplace. But, you know, front, I, I mean, Frontier must be feeling pretty, pretty bad right now. You know, it's like, you know, you almost had the girl and then she, she walked away with the other guy. 
Except they're going to get a nice little payoff for their efforts. Um, do we do we know do we know much about the future plans here? You know, are the brands going to stay separate? Do we know anything about that sort of plans, or is that not being made public? The brands are going to dissolve into one brand. I mean, whether it's okay. JetBlue brand that prevails or Blue Spirit or whatever uh-huh. it might come out of this, right? Yes. So, um, so there's going to be a single brand with a single entity and all that stuff. They already decided that New York is going to be the headquarters because uh, that's where JetBlue is. Uh, so right away. You already have that decision being made and the JetBlue CEO will take over and lead this process and become the new CEO of the new airline. Very interesting. I mean, I think many of us, including those in the audience, have gone through mergers and acquisitions where the two you know, companies are very different cultures and that's never a nice uh, result for some, right? It's always, it's always difficult to do that, to get that right. And like we all say, these are two very different companies. They're not just somehow different. They're two very different companies. So that's going to be a tough job there for the, for the CEO. Very interesting to see the, the fallout. I was thinking from a technology aspect because you have, um, you know, spirits are on Naviter, um, JetBlue are on Sabre. It will be interesting. There will be a lot of technology um, challenges on how to merge them. I want to make a bold prediction on on this. Um, I think Frontier feeling really disappointed is ripe for someone to want to um, take them. Hmm. Any suggestions as to who they should t- be partnered with? I think uh, Alaska st- ah, stands out in my mind. Very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Stephen, let me just see if I can get you on the stage. You want to chip in at this point. So if you can briefly introduce yourself and then uh, tell us what your thoughts are on this topic. That's Steve, one of my favorite ex-colleagues. There we go. Hello, Steve. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Ann. I was just going to say the same thing. Ann and I worked together at a uh, former company for a number of years and think the world of her as a person and as a professional. I have the benefit of working with both JetBlue and Spirit, and uh, I echo the sentiments of everybody on the call. I thought what was interesting was, you know, Indigo Partners was involved in Spirit and involved in Frontier, and I thought, well, they're working behind the scenes. This is a done deal. And I was kind of surprised the fact that JetBlue um, kind of swooped in. I think one of the reasons that happened was at the end of the day for ultra low cost carriers, it's about cost. And I think JetBlue just outbid Frontier. Frontier did not want to add that debt um, to the balance sheet and then no longer be an ultra low cost carrier because they had to pay for that debt. Um, I also think when it comes to what is the new airline going to be like, um, what's really interesting about JetBlue is the people that fly JetBlue, kind of like Southwest, they love JetBlue. I haven't heard that about Spirit. When I worked with Spirit, it was everybody always complaining about, you know, the hidden fees, um, sometimes the flights and whatnot. So I think that JetBlue brand is going to prevail. In terms of the culture, both teams are wonderful people. And, you know, it's the travel industry. Uh, We are attracted to travel because we're friendly people. We like people. And despite uh, Spirit being the ultra low cost carrier and some hidden fees and whatnot, the people that work there are wonderful. I'm sure they're going to be able to merge the two teams. I think the Spirit family is going to embrace, you know, joining JetBlue, a little bit larger uh, carrier and what that future holds for them. So I'm excited about it. And uh, with regard to the technology, I think that JetBlue technology is going to prevail just because they have more technology than Spirit. Spirit was so focused on ultra low cost 
in reducing that technology uh, footprint that I think it'll be easy for the spirit team to onboard to the technology of uh, JetBlue. So just a couple of thoughts. Don't you think, Steve, that, I mean, let's say that Spirit then have to migrate onto Saver, which will be a much higher cost than, than Naviter. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be an ultra low-cost carrier anymore. It's no. going to be the JetBlue model. Well, remember also that JetBlue is part of the One World um, network as well, um, and they're partners mm. with Americans. So this, this, this is a much bigger uh, thing to consider than just JetBlue. Thank you. That was fantastic uh, insight there. That's really, really you know, nice of you to, to chip in. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we should have you on a call every week, Steve. <laughs> nice. Yes, I would love that. That was, yeah. great. that was very well said. I thank you, Ash, and Anne, for your contribution today. Steve, thank you very much for jumping on the stage and contributing there and for everybody listening in. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you all for joining today's session. As Rian mentioned, uh, this session uh, is every week and it's all about linking the travel industry. So please do share this with everybody that you know to help uh, grow this uh, weekly session. And for those that cannot make it because of time zone or availability, uh, we do make this podcast available on uh, Business Travel 360. 